just as immigration drove our earliest population growth, it is driving that growth again today. In fact, the majority of the county's population growth these past few years was a result of international immigration. Without it, our population would have been stagnant. You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. That was Macomb County Executive Mark Hackle delivering his State of the County speech last night at the Macomb Center for the Performing Arts. Aside from immigration and population growth, Hackle also talked about balanced budgets and increased educational opportunities among residents. Hackle also addressed the more unseemly sides of Macomb's recent history. Here he is talking about negative news surrounding some elected officials in the county. And finally, I think it is necessary to talk about the public corruption that has been so highly publicized this past year. To date, 18 public officials and local businessmen have been indicted in major pay-to-play schemes here in Macomb County. As these indictments have occurred, I've been asked each and every time another one comes out by the media if I thought this gave Macomb County a black eye. My response each time was no, I don't see it as a black eye. I see it more as a welcome change. What I've learned in my years in law enforcement is that people don't speak up either because they're afraid of retaliation or they just don't know who they can trust. I'd like to believe these indictments are giving comfort and assurance to the public that it's okay to come forward knowing that there are public officials out there who will not only listen, but who will act to put an end to this. That was Macomb County Executive Mark Hackle talking about a culture of corruption that he sees growing up in Macomb County. Joining us now to talk about his State of the County speech is Mark Hackle, the Macomb County Executive. Mark, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Steve. Good morning, and thanks for having me on your show here. Absolutely. Uh, great, to, great to hear from you. Uh, let's start with that allegation that you made there about this, this corruption uh, that goes on in Macomb County. What is that about, and what do we need to do to sort of reverse the tide there? Well, interesting enough, that's most, most of those, in fact, all of those were, were local, either businessmen or local communities. So it really wasn't the county as a county government. You know, although I'm certain that I know there are some that are being looked at uh, within county government, uh, just from what I've been told and kind of what I know. But for the most part, as far as an indictment, no, none of the county-wise have actually gotten involved in that, or any county official for that matter. So that being said, it, it certainly still is a concern for the county. And uh, with that being said, you know, I go back to what I, which you just played back from my speech last night. Yeah. You know, as a, as a public official, law enforcement, uh, that kind of stuff is just unexpected and un- unacceptable. So it, it's unfortunate that sometimes people fear public officials. And that's what's going on here in, in an area where there has not been an indictment landed yet uh, with, uh, you know, one very high-profile countywide elected official where people were afraid of them. And yet there were people that were concerned about the way that person was running their office. So I heard the stories, listened to them, people talking to me. And so for me, just to sit on that and not do anything with it, well, I'd be just as bad as the person who's, uh, I guess, rendering that fear upon the public or even business people within the community. So public officials need to realize, you know what, you're just as culpable if you're not going to do something about it or forward information or try to help the public out when you see these type of things going on. Uh, you can find yourself in that you know, FBI web uh, of, of charges if you, if you don't start doing something or acting upon it. So I'm actually 
I'm actually glad because I think it's a new day, and it's a new day for so many reasons. Not only are people that uh, the people that have done things uh, being held accountable, but I think you're seeing that it puts other public officials on notice that you don't do it because there is something that is going to happen, and now people are feeling a little bit more confident uh, that they can come forward and, and call you out on it if you're doing that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the, the other part of your speech last night, talking uh, about immigration and population growth, balanced budgets, and increased educational opportunities there in Macomb County. Uh, give us a just sort of thumbnail sketch of, of, of where you think you are with governance out there, where things are headed uh, in terms of uh, all of those things that you were talking about last night. It's interesting because uh, this year, as we started talking about our state of the county and how we wanted to address it, you know, the county being run as a government, uh, it was it was kind of simple. I mean, there's a lot of great things happening, and I think it's the service being provided by the people working within the county government, uh, you know, from the leaders uh, running, you know, the various departments, uh, the countywide elected officials, and all the employees. Uh, there's a different sense of understanding as to what we do, and uh, yet we get that. We know what our job is, what our responsibility is, but the question is, do you, do you understand really why you do it? Is there, is there that feeling of passion? And with that, we want to instill that in the, in the employees to get them to really start being more creative and thinking out of the box and how we deliver a service to the public to come up with new ideas. So there's really been a whole focus and change in our delivery process, making sure we understand, you know, this is about the, the place people call home and, and how we're interacting with them. Our finances, uh, it's an incredible story. I know we say it's seven years of consecutive balanced budgets, and some may claim, well, even prior to that. Well, that's just not the case. Uh, in the past, before we even got into office, when I first started with the very first budget, I had to fix the prior budget that was put forth because there were so many problems with that budget, in particular one that was a glowing issue. Uh, it, was, it was so glaring. It was a half a billion dollar unfunded liability with our retirement health care, retiree health care. We had to fix that. But to fix it, we had to make a promise moving forward that we were going to make sure that the money being spent is going to be addressed in the next five, ten years. We've got that plan laid out. And so... We had to fix that with a lot of support from the labor groups and a lot of the unions. And that's why I think what's being discussed in Lansing right now, this whole concern about, you know, what they're doing with, uh, you know, in particular dealing with law enforcement and firefighters and, you know, their, their retirement uh, plans that are out there and trying to dictate what they're doing at the local level. Well, that's pretty upsetting because we've fixed that concern here in Macomb County, but yet to have Lansing try to tell us how to handle our affairs here in Macomb County by just making some, you know, I guess law or changes to that, and take away health care, the potential for taking away health care from firefighters and police officers, is, is unacceptable. You know, we, we fixed our, our concerns, and we could be a model county for, for others if, uh, if they, you know, really wanted to look at it and see, okay, how did you do that? How did you correct that? And uh, moving forward, how are you assuring that, uh, that that promise made is going to be a promise kept, yet it's not going to cause some kind of a financial bankruptcy for the county? And, and we did that. So the finances of the county are strong. They're solid. AA-plus bond rating. And as you mentioned, the population growth, people don't move someplace unless they feel welcome. But one of the things we've always established with our one Macomb program is this welcoming county. Better understand who we are. What are the dynamics of the county? And uh, we're seeing such a cultural difference in the county and the makeup of it. And uh, we're going to continue to embrace that and put together programs to figure out how do we how do we better connect people with services that are necessary and make sure we're engaging them in a way that uh, makes them feel welcome and want to make Macomb their home. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark, I wonder what you make of the possibility that I've heard uh, of another another uh, run at the RTA millage uh, that could happen in 18. Uh, do you think that'll happen? Are you uh, one of the people who's working to make that happen? Where Where are we with that? 
Yeah, they, there's been a lot of discussions. I've uh, talked. In fact, I'm heading down to Detroit to talk some uh, to talk to some business leaders. Uh, in fact, I just pulled over in a parking lot. I was headed down there about that very issue about the RTA. So again, I always say this: uh, Macomb County is always has been and will continue to be support of regional transit. I, I don't think there's any question in light of what we see with the smart system as a all-in county. There's no opt-out. So the question becomes. Although they may, you know, believe in the purpose, what is the plan? And so that becomes the question, and I think it's in the details of what are we, what are we looking at here? You know, what is the purpose of this plan, um, and how will it reach the public? Just having somebody throw a plan together and have Mark Hackle get out there with, you know, cheerleading efforts, uh, you know, to try to support this and make it pass in Macomb County isn't going to be enough because the voters are going to look through that to make a determination as they vote. What is it in it for them? What is the benefit to them? And, uh, you know, some may say, well, you know, it should be just purely altruistic, you know, because other people need opportunities for jobs. Well, you look at population shifts over the past 50 years, things have changed. You know, majority of the population now is, uh, you know, in the in the Wayne County outlying area, Oakland County, Macomb County, not yeah. the city of Detroit, where once upon a time, Detroit led a lot of these public policy discussions. My gosh, if you think about Wayne, Oakland, and Macomb together back in 1950 didn't even come near the population base of Detroit. In fact, sure. Detroit had 400,000 more people in Detroit than the three counties combined. But today, that's not the case. So these discussions have to be kind of driven around, okay, what is the today's model? Where are the population? Where are the jobs? And what are the commuting patterns? So in those discussions, which I don't think were really laid out at the beginning of these conversations, uh, and I caused that concern for the public to say, hang on a second. Uh, this isn't really what I'm expecting or what I'm looking for. And we certainly don't want to be a donor county. We want to figure out are there advantages to this that really have a true impact on the uh, residents of Macomb County. So I've been fully involved and fully engaged in conversations. There's never been a closed-door policy. And uh, I do believe there's a possibility uh, that they might want to put it on the two, uh, 2018, um, uh, I guess, if you will, um, uh, to vote uh, but for the most part, if they do, they got to be cognizant of the fact that there are going to be other issues on the ballot, too, right, such right. as the smart village, you know, yeah. such as, you know, the community college, I believe, is going to be doing right. something. And the question well. is, how so, much can you ask for at, 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 a, at a given time? Yeah. Right. And so you got to be very you got, you got to be very cognizant of that, because I tell you, that voter fatigue on certain issues, sure. not only, you know, how many people are on a ballot, but proposals, too. Yeah. And before I let you go, Mark, I want to ask about uh, Macomb County's role in in Michigan politics and in national politics. It was one of the counties that helped make Donald Trump the president last November. Uh, talk about uh, those sort of bellwether politics there uh, in, in Macomb County. Where are we with, with that? Uh, you as a Democrat, how do you... How do you contend with that? It, it's very, it's very interesting. Number one, I never contend with things uh, on partisan basis. I think everybody's recognized that, and probably highlighted most recently with this last election, where I endorsed Candace Miller over the uh, incumbent uh, Democrat um, uh, Public Works Commissioner, and uh, that had to change. There was absolutely no question about it. I understood the problems and the challenges that were that were there, and so you know, the better candidate by far was uh, was the Republican Candace Miller. So I supported that effort, and now seeing what has happened, and now knowing about indictments and, you know, the concerns surrounding the office. Now everybody's looking at it in hindsight saying, oh, yeah, I guess that was the right decision. Well, at the time, it wasn't a politically popular decision for a guy who's a Democrat to endorse such a high-profile Republican. In fact, there were concerns where some would say, well, you know, if you ever decided to run for a higher office, uh, you'll, you'll never make it out of a primary. Well, I throw that stuff, uh, you know, by the wayside. That's not how I run this office on behalf of the public. And so with that being said, I look at these elections, and I turn to the voters and try to get an understanding as to why do they vote for these folks? Why did they vote for, you know, 
why did why did they vote for uh, in my recent elections uh, Rick Snyder overwhelmingly in Macomb County mm-hmm. in two election mm-hmm. cycles his first and his second but yet the vote totals for Mark Hackle as a Democrat on a ticket were much higher um, and uh, I got elected as the uh, as the county executive mm-hmm. in Macomb County both times the voters are looking at the personalities and sometimes it may not be that they like a guy like Donald Trump that they can really relate to him or love his conversation, the way he treats people. But they looked at the alternative, and they didn't like what they had seen. It was too much of the norm and uh, the status quo. And so they, I believe, either stayed home or voted against just for that reason. And uh, that independent middle ground is a, is a highly sought-after, uh, I guess, uh, population uh, of voters that people should be cognizant of, not uh, trying to run to the far left yeah. or far right just to make it through a primary. Yeah. Okay, Mark Hackle, County Executive of Macomb County. Always good to hear from you on here in Detroit Today. Thanks again for having me, Steve. All right, we'll talk with you soon. I want to pivot now to talk a little more about another working-class enclave here in Metro Detroit with John Carlisle, who is a feature writer for the Detroit Free Press, frequently writes in-depth pieces on working-class people here in the state of Michigan, has a wonderfully written story up uh, today on the Free Press website about Delray, uh, the neighborhood in southwest Detroit that is emptying out. Uh, John writes about what is happening to the people who are there and what might happen as the neighborhood continues to depopulate. John, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello, my friend. Thanks yes. for having me. Good to see you. Uh, as I said, this is a wonderfully written piece. Thank you. Very uh, kind of you. Uh, not that not that that's a surprise. You're a great writer, uh, but but there are there are so many details in here that I think help uh, help a reader really understand how this is a different part of the world here in Southeast Michigan. This is a very isolated neighborhood uh, to begin with. But it's a neighborhood that now is losing its its population, and that's having an effect, I think, on the isolation, but also on uh, the idea of hope, the idea of what what might come next uh, for the folks who are there. Yeah, I mean, for anyone who's ever been through Delray or, or knows anything about it, it's a very weird part of the city. It's yeah. one. It's the one part of the city that was condemned to die by the city back in the fifties and back in the sixties. A federal master plan and a, a local a city plan determined that they're going to zone out what housing was there and make that the industrial part of the city and move as many factories and plants there as possible. And the thinking was people would get the idea, and as they as more things crowded them out, they'd move out voluntarily. And 90% of that population did. But 10% has not left. They stubbornly refused to go. And that's what fascinated me is why would you want to stay there? Anyone who's ever been there knows it stinks because you've got the wastewater treatment plant. You've got Zug Island. You've got dozens of other smaller factories. Yeah. Um, it, it's weirdly remote. It's polluted as can be. People claim they've gotten all sorts of diseases like asthma and cancer there. And yet people stay and they say, this is my home. I've been here forever. I'm going to stay. And so that's what fascinated us. And that's why we spent part of the summer and part of the fall just walking around, driving around, talking to people there and seeing why would you want to stay here? And it all comes down to, you know, this is my home. Yeah. I mean, that's a narrative we see play out across the city in some ways as as depopulated areas uh, leave people who can't leave or who don't want to leave behind in much less uh, densely populated places. Uh, Delray is probably the extreme example uh, of that here uh, in Detroit, but but the the, the folks who don't want to leave, what do they what do they expect their lives to be like in the future down there? I mean, what what's the thing that they think will make things 
better? Or do they think the city won't ever bother with that? Well, two things are going on. First off, um, they know it's bad and they don't expect it to get better. They know the direction it's going in. And second of all, a lot of them are very, very poor. And they've inherited these houses from their parents who got them from their parents. So the houses are paid for. The property taxes are locked in from years ago. So, you know, like one guy we met had $500 a year property tax. He's like, if I cross the street over Fort, it's going to triple. So it's very cheap to live down there. And if you're poor, you know, that might be your last resort. The one game changer might be is that now that the new bridge to Canada is coming in, the city is offering Delray homeowners a new house, well, not a new house, a tax foreclosed house somewhere else in the city for free, plus $60,000 to fix it up, which is a very generous offer. A lot of people are thinking about it, but still some people said, I, I, I don't want to leave my house. This is what I know. This is where I belong. And part of it is some of them like the, the freedom and the lifestyle down there. We interviewed a woman who had a 300-pound pig in her yard and a pet possum, <laughs> and there's not many pl- other places either in the city or outside of the city that you can, <laughs> you can live like that, and she knows this. And, in fact, your, your story starts with, uh, with a woman who's got a pet possum, uh, which is just a, I mean, that's such an interesting thing to find in a city. Yeah, and it just illustrates how quirky it is down there. They're very isolated. It's very rural. It reminds me a lot of parts of, uh, you know, I hate, I don't mean this as a pejorative, but it's kind of Appalachian down there. Yeah. You know, yeah. the lifestyle, and it's very— Well, uh, that's what its roots really are. I mean, right. a lot of the people who live there now are descendants of folks who came up from Kentucky and Tennessee and West yeah. Virginia and found work uh, in Detroit in that area and, and, and built homes there. Uh, the question, I think, is is as it changes, uh, as the, the 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 opportunities for work, as the industry down there changes, what's the what's the possibility for the folks left behind? Yeah, and there's not much, and they admit it. They say that you know pretty much all the, their kids move away who to try to find a job opportunity. Um, you know, the factories down there aren't exactly hiring. A lot of them are downsizing. You know, like the steel plants and stuff. And uh, most of the people we interviewed were on Social Security or disability or some kind of public assistance. Yeah. So or just getting by with odd jobs. So, uh, yeah, there's it's, it's really a bleak situation. That's what was so fascinating to us is why would you want to stay in? There? Why would you stay? Yeah. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is John Carlisle. He's a feature writer at the Detroit Free Press, frequently writes in-depth pieces on working class folks here in Michigan, has a story up today on the Free Press website. About Delray, the really isolated part of southwest Detroit that is emptying out. But there are folks who say they want to stay in Delray, that it's home and that they won't move. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, talk to us about what you think is going on in Delray. Talk, talk to us what, what you think should go on in Delray. Give us a call, 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. And we will work you into the conversation. Uh, John, I I, want to ask about the commonalities you see between Delray and some of the other places that you do reporting around the state. You travel all over Michigan looking at uh, communities and folks who live in those communities. I would say people who don't usually get written about. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's sort of overlooked. Uh, Are there other Delrays? Uh, around around the state of Michigan? Well, Delray is obviously very extreme, but I would compare it to a certain degree. Uh, you go to the UP, it's kind of like that. It's very desolate, very remote. Jobs have left. People are poor. Um, it, it's not. It's clearly not as polluted. It's almost the opposite because there's so much wilderness up there. But um, 
you know, a lot of the people I travel through the state and see are like the people in Delray. And it kind of reminds me of, you know, when you were talking to Mark Hackle, um, they have a lot in common, maybe not economically, but culturally with some of the people in Macomb County. And uh, in fact, some of the people we met in Delray said, yeah, I'm a Trump supporter. You know, which is really weird. Yes. It was very strange, but um, <laughs> it was partly, you know, partly economic, partly cultural. Yeah. And, and, and are there things that we can learn? Are there things that you've seen in other places in the state that we could make work in a place like Delray to make to make life better for folks there? Well, Delray, it just it seems doomed just simply because of the pollution. I mean, it's just so bad. You'd have to shut down all the, the industry there. <laughs> that's um, not going to happen, right? <laughs> no, that's not going to happen. I mean, it's the same problems as elsewhere. What do you do with people who don't have job skills, haven't worked in years, probably don't have a lot of schooling? You know, they've been on disability, someone we met for decades. You know, how do you wean them off that, um, you know, I don't want to say cycle of dependency, but the, they're not used to, uh, you know, getting up and doing doing skilled work. And a lot of them want to, especially if you go up to the UP or rural areas. They would love some kind of job training program mm-hmm. or, or some kind of uh, assistance with school to help them learn a trade or learn, you know, some kind of new career. Um, obviously, those opportunities are lacking nowadays. Yeah, yeah. Um, when you when you talk with uh, these folks and they tell you about their their sort of interest in politics or what they want from politicians, I think, you know, just, just like you said, there's some folks in Delray who are supporting Trump. That's that's surprising. That's true across the state as well. The people who seem overlooked and locked out are really turning toward this idea that uh, populism, I guess, is if uh, the best word for it, would help them out. It just seems to me, um, you know, Mark Hackle said they looked at Trump and they might not have liked him, but they didn't like the alternative. And it's true to a degree. I, I just think it's because he came along and said things as crazy as he is as a, a human being, or as distasteful, or whatever you want to say, he said things that related to what they were living through, even if it wasn't true. So I'm going to bring your jobs back. Right. Even if that's totally not true or not possible from a manufacturing standpoint, nobody had said to them, I acknowledge that your jobs are gone or that right. your lives had changed. I see you, really. Yeah. I mean, just what? the acknowledgement that that's happening. Uh, or mentioning China, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they, they look in their house, all their clothes are made in China, their tools are like, what, you know, what is going on? Right. What happened right. to my world? Really no, no one acknowledges that. Yeah. And so when he says China, China, I'm going to impose tariffs. They're like, yeah, you know, finally, somebody's going to fight against fight for this me. trend that no one's explaining why we have to endure this. Yeah. All right. John Carlisle, feature writer of the Detroit Free Press. Thanks very much for joining us here on Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. All right. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, a community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.